Hey guys, and thank you very much for listening to the WhatCast. A couple things we wanted to mention before we started the show. A big thank you to Norma DiMaggio, who went over to our Facebook page and pressed the fucking thumbs up button, the little hand. That's awesome of you. Thank you very much for doing that. We also wanted to say thank you to Rody, who left us a nice long message through the contact form at thewhatcasters.com. So if you guys want to send us a message, hate mail, death threats, uh, herpes test results, just go ahead and do it through the whatcasters.com. The, the timer page is still going to be active, but everything's mainly going to be there at the web page. So thank you, Rody. Thank you, Norma. You guys have a great week. The head of the hospital there came to her one evening or one afternoon and said, I think there's something you would like to see. And he took her down to the surgical suite or whatever it was in the hospital where they had brought these beings. And um, they took her into the room and she saw them. They wouldn't let her get close to them. But she stood by the doorway and, and looked at them. As she was looking at them, one of them moved its middle finger on its hand. So it was, whatever it was, was living at that time. I felt very sorry for her because she lived a very frightened life. But they had told her not to ever speak of it again and, and what the consequences would be. And she was frightened her whole life long. Doing research, I didn't expect to find as many cases at all of crashed UFOs. I mean, it, everybody knows about Roswell and shit like that. Yeah. Before we really get into like all the, all the other cases, what what's your opinion on Roswell? On Roswell, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I've I've, I've done a lot of research on Roswell ever since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it was uh, possibly a UFO. If if I had to say what it, I think it was, I'd say that it was a UFO. I mean, that's what they reported. They actually said it was a UFO. You know, the next yeah. day they changed it. And I don't think they had too many protocols for dealing with a fucking UFO at that time. So, you know, mistakes were made. But I don't know. There's too many people talking about it for too long and too many deathbed confessions and evidence and witnesses and shit coming forth. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on it when i was younger i really thought that that it was a ufo thing and i always thought like why would they say it was a flying saucer and then the next day say it wasn't you know it's obviously they were trying to cover their tracks but now i think about it and i i I still i still don't know because they released the information about project mogul Mm mm-hmm and I thought that, you know, that would be a good cover up for it to say it was a, a flying saucer that crashed instead of a high altitude balloon thing. Like, I guess Project <laughs> Mogul was supposed to be tracking the use of nuclear weapons. If the Soviets were testing them, this was supposed to be able to spy on them. And I mean, keep in mind, this is 47. So this is just a couple of years after, after we bombed, uh, in Japan with the nuclear bomb. And so this is right at the beginning of the Cold War. So, I mean, that kind of made sense. But then when you have Jesse Marcel, he was the Air Force guy who collected the sample. And, and anyone who's heard the Roswell story has heard about the sample that where they crumbled it up and then they let it go and it unfolded on its own and became smooth again, like yeah. nothing. And he was the guy who brought this and he brought it to his son and his son, you know, he's like, my father actually told me about this. He said, we can't say anything about it. And um, then when they took that famous picture of Jesse Marcel holding that stuff, what they gave him was just pieces of a broken weather balloon, which is what these Project Mogul balloons looked like. Then you've got the reports of the bodies and the government explains it by people being confused because they were doing high altitude dummy tests. They were, where they were dumping mannequins out of high altitude balloons to see how they would land. I don't, I don't remember exactly. They were, they were basically dumping these mannequins from the sky, but that was in 1952. 
And they're saying that people got the, the times confused and put the two events together. And the thing that I think is really cool about Roswell is all the other stuff that, that kind of goes into it. Like if you're familiar with, with any of the stuff Stanton Friedman has put out about it. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was actually the guy who, who kind of brought this back. Cause after the, after the, I guess it was the army. Cause I don't think the air force was created yet or they were created shortly after Roswell, I believe. But, uh, when they, when they recanted the, the original statement that they found a, a flying saucer, it kind of just got swept under the rug. And he was the guy who kind of brought it back and started interviewing the witnesses and, and getting the information out there on, on what could have potentially really happened. And there's reports of another crash a few miles away from the, the crash on the, the Brazel ranch, which was actually, it wasn't even really in Roswell. It was just outside of Roswell, but there was the Roswell crash. And then nearby there was another crash. And apparently both crash sites were recovered and bodies were recovered as well. And people, there's witnesses who reported seeing these bodies being recovered. I don't know if you ever saw it, but there's a document on the FBI's vault website where they've got a bunch of declassified documents. And there's this one document from someone named Guy Hotel or Hotel, H-O-T-T-E-L, I believe is how it was spelled. But he was a field investigator for the FBI, and he reported back to the director of the FBI that um, there was a report of a crash and bodies were recovered and they looked their their bodies looked like they were wearing high altitude flight suits and they were wrapped really tight but they were small diminutive bodies that were humanoid in appearance but they looked like they like they had larger heads and they looked to be the bodies looked to be about the size of a child but that's on the FBI vault website, like the officially official documents from the FBI that have been declassified. And that's, that's on there. Wow. That's awesome. And there was never, you know, there was never any press release for it. It was just quietly released and <laughs> it was, it was found and it's, you know, since been widely distributed, but it's an actual document. It's not some forgery. It's not bullshit. It's on the official website of the FBI. That's great. Yeah. So I think I thought that was kind of interesting. And it was also in, it was from New Mexico. So he didn't specify exactly where the crash took place. So it could have been the crash on the Brazil ranch or it could have been the one that was a few miles from there. It's hard to say, but I don't know. It's it's. it's you look at all the official explanations and it seems like every 20 years or so they release the new official story. And it's, you know, it started out being, it was a weather balloon. Then it was, Oh no, it was project mogul. And that's, they released that book. I, I forgot what it was called, but it was released by the government, like Roswell, the official story or something like that. And it was basically saying it was the project mogul thing, but I mean, you've got investigators on the scene. You've got people from the military and, and even the, the ranch owner himself, like he's not going to report if he sees pieces of fucking tinfoil, you know? Yeah. No, shit. which is, which is essentially what these, it wasn't tinfoil, but it was a tinfoil like substance that was on the, the project mogul balloons. And I mean, the frames were basically balsa wood. And this foil-like stuff attached to a, a huge balloon, you know. And and even even if you're not familiar with what a weather balloon looks like, if a weather balloon crashes, it's gonna look like this weird fabric and tin foil and balsa wood. It's not gonna look like a cra- a crashed vehicle <laughs> vehicle of of any sort you know yeah if you came across a downed weather balloon you can probably just grab it and throw it in the trash 
Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's got a it's got a material that looks a little bit weird, like it, it's kind of diaphanous, and but it's not like you're anything you're going to mistake for a spacecraft or a UFO or anything like that. Yeah, and uh, I are you familiar at all with? I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the name, but are you familiar with a lot of the stuff that Stephen Greer has put out? No, not not as far as this stuff goes. I, I don't, I mean, he always claims that he's got all these insiders that tell him stuff, and he did release the, the uh, Disclosure Project video with tons of amazing testimony from government and military officials. So, I mean, he does have that, but he claims that someone from the military told him that the crashes at Roswell or near Roswell were due to, we intentionally crashed these craft and, the, and by we, I mean the U S military and they did it using some sort of focused. So they're saying that they shot down these un- unidentified flying object or no, not even that these disc shaped aircraft. Well, that's that. That's what Stephen Greer is claiming that that someone from the government or military told him that they were using some sort of focused radar-based weapon that would disrupt whatever causes the uh, the UFOs to fly, or I guess not really fly, but do what they do, you know? Yeah, and, and it ju- it just basically caused them to malfunction and crash. Well, it's kind of cool that they were working on some type of defense and that they had a craft to practice that on, if it's true. If it's true, right. And if it is true, what were they? Because bodies were recovered, you know, and and what did we learn? I love when people point out that uh, the bodies that were found were those dummies you were talking about. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, fine, but you just admitted that there was bodies there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, they try to, they try to merge the two events together. Like I said, yeah. the, the, the dummy drop happened in, in 1952. So that's five years later. Yeah. And they're trying to say that the witnesses, somehow these witnesses saw both top secret things. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. Really? <laughs> So you're saying you did two, there, there were two top secret things that fell, fell down in the Roswell, New Mexico area. And somehow these witnesses saw the same two things and correlated them. Most likely not. Yeah. And then I've heard other theories that it could have been like some sort of early spacecraft that we were designing and it was, and the, the bodies were apes like chimpanzees or something Hmm. that when they crashed and that's why they were in the flight suits and why they looked to be the size of children. But I don't know. I mean, we did, I, we could, I mean, project paperclip and all that. We had the, the Nazi rocket scientists. Yeah. They could have been building and testing an array of shit. Yeah. And the, the really shitty thing is with, with the Roswell, case and i didn't even want to spend this much time on roswell but it's kind of hard it's kind of hard not to everybody knows the story but the the really shitty thing about this case is that there's never going to be any new evidence all the witnesses are dying everyone who was alive when it happened you know is either like super old or dead we're not going to get any new evidence yeah what we have now is what we're going to have unless the government decides to really open it up but even if they did, and I mean, after all this back and forth, who's going to believe the story? You know? Yeah, exactly. I just saw some article about uh, a new suspect for Jack the Ripper. Oh, really? Yeah. It's the same thing. No, you know, you're probably wrong. You're going off shit that there hasn't been evidence for for a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So this is all just like reading documents and journals and stuff and I don't know. It seems like they give like the NSA <laughs> shit like that to do just yeah. to dig up shit and spy on, on tons of diaries and journals to come to some new conclusion. But 
you know, it's, I'm just not going to take any of that serious because, like you said, there's no new evidence that it's a cold case for quite a while. Yeah. So I don't know. Even if new evidence is presented, I'm not, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Like the, I remember there was a guy who was on coast to coast like a year or two ago and he was talking about how he f- used to work for the air force and he was, I don't remember. He was in like some file storage room or something. And he just happened to find a box that was labeled Roswell and it had all this evidence <laughs> that Roswell really like, come on, dude, you think they're going to just have the most talked about UFO event ever. Just, just in a box labeled Roswell. <laughs> come no on. Shit. Yeah. yeah. That, that dude was a fucking joke. I don't remember his name, but it's not worth mentioning because, come on, that's ridiculous. Yeah, we'll call him Chokey McDickhead. Sure. Sounds good. But Roswell, while it is the most well-known case, is by no means the only case that has happened, even in the U.S. or North America. And there's even cases that have actual documentation from the government. Are you familiar with the Shag Harbor incident? We've talked about it briefly. I've read about it a little bit. It's one of the most well-documented cases of a UFO crash. Basically, what happened was in October of 1967 in Canada. Uh, it was it was in Nova Scotia. There was there were there was a group of teenagers that reported seeing something that was illuminated flying really low, it, it eventually crashed into Shag Harbor. They, they contacted the Mounties, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and they sent 10 units there to investigate, and they saw lights on the water, and then the lights disappeared. So they sent... It, this was late at night. They weren't able to get a patrol going in time, uh, so what they did was just had any fishermen in the area, they asked them to volunteer to go search for survivors. And they went out into the, into the harbor and they didn't find any survivors. They didn't see any lights, but they found this weird yellow glittery foam over the surface of the water. Hmm. Uh, but by morning it had dissipated. There's so much weird, like just that in and of itself. Because the police were there, the police witnessed it. There was uh, an independent witness. There's a pilot who was actually flying over the craft, and he said that he saw what looked like a series of small explosions on the the upper surface of the craft, and he saw these lights as they were descending toward the harbor. And then there's ground witnesses. It was witnessed by police. And then they... uh, had the Navy come in and eventually the U S Navy came up as well. And the official story was that the U S Navy was doing training drills with the Canadian Navy, but it was over the site where this ship or whatever had crashed. Apparently what had happened was they were monitoring this thing underwater and it went to the bottom and it sat there for a few days And then another craft ended up coming up beside it. Then they both traveled down the coast and came out of the water near Maine and took off into the sky. And I think one was a yellow light and one was a red light when they came out of the water. Now, who's saying this? This is from various witnesses uh, as well as people who were working. Um, There there was uh, various military and government officials who have come out and spoken on this, who were involved in it. Um, there was one who was a diver who claimed that they, they had gone down and retrieved pieces of it and brought it back up. And there's witnesses from land who also reported seeing divers go down and then bring pieces back up and load them on a boat. And there was one military official who came out later who said he wasn't even aware of there being anything in shag harbor 
but there was a nearby harbor, I think it was called Shelburne Harbor, where they had apparently been tracking another craft that was underwater. Wow. And then, so, and, and that's, I don't remember exactly how far, but it's, I don't know, like, it, it, it was relatively close, under, we'll say under 50 miles from Shag Harbor. And this was happening during the same time. And he was saying that the thing that was going on in Shag Harbor, he thought was just kind of like a big show to distract from what was going on at this other harbor, which was where the real stuff was going on. That's weird. What would you want to hide if the distraction is a crashing UFO? Yeah. It's very weird. Yeah. But it's, uh, there's actual documentation from the police as well as uh, the government of Canada. And you can actually go on one of their websites and see it. It's in the, uh, their national archives. And you can actually see the documents. There's also a book that came out called Dark Object. And it was called Dark Object because that's what it's referred to in the, in the documents. Basically, dark object, I guess, is supposed to be the code word for the government for a UFO. It's just a way of saying it's it's an object that we don't know. So it's a dark object. And uh, yeah, (laughs) but the book also has copies of the uh, the original documents. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty rad that those documents are out. I mean, Canada, they've always been cool about releasing their documents. Yeah. Yeah, and let's not forget Canada also has uh Paul Hellier, the, yep. the the defense minister, who is now all about UFOs and that they exist and has even talked about various races. I think he said he's aware of seven different races, but there could be more. That's fucking scary to think about. Yeah. And and I, what I, is, love, I love Paul Hellier. He's you know, you can tell he's highly intelligent and mm-hmm. he's not off his rocker, not even a little bit. He's very together and presents himself very well. Yeah. Even though he's putting out this fringe subject and claiming it does exist. And a lot of people just don't give him credit because, you know, he's not in the government anymore. But still, when you, what reason would he have to make this shit up, you know? Yeah. He's the foreign defense minister of Canada. That's the highest ranking government official to ever come out to talk about UFOs and, and claim their existence. He's got you such know, a great reputation and a stellar record. It's weird to hear him say some of the things he does. Cause I take, I mean, I, I love Paul Hillier, man. He's great. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, seven different races of aliens. Him saying that, that's, that kind of makes me go, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, it's scary to think about. Yeah. No xenomorphs, please. Yeah. <laughs> I think would be I think we would know if there were xenomorphs at this <laughs> point. But who knows? Maybe not. We're the xenomorphs, man. <laughs> but I just think I there's a lot of stuff out there with government documenting uh, or, or, or I shouldn't say government documenting, but members of the military or members of the government who have come out and officially stated their stories. Yeah, the the serious documentary was, like you said, just a wonderful array of officials. And like yeah. we've talked about before that might not make somebody more credible for you in your opinion, but mm-hmm. these are all super up and up people. What I usually look at when I'm trying to think about if these people are full of shit or not, are they looking for fame? Are they, you know, do they have some sort of agenda they're pushing? And a lot of these people that have come out, like uh, Sergeant Wolf that we talked about, I don't know, a few episodes back, but wouldn't about the moon bases. Like he's he's not out there doing like book tours and and trying to make money off this. You know, he's putting his reputation on the line to get information out there. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like guys like Whitley Strieber or something, you know, or, or David Icke who, who run with their story and 
you know, make, make lots of money off it and they're famous in, in the UFO community and they've got their followers or, or guys like Stephen Greer, even, you know, like he's done a lot of good, but he's also notorious for being like a, a, a guy who out to make money. Yeah, I you think know, like just, just look at his retreats, like a three day retreat or something costs $1,500 to basically go camping in the woods and listen to him talk about UFOs. Damn. Like, I mean, come on. That's insane. I think it was yeah. Aldo saying that, uh, Ike makes like something like two million a year on doing what he does. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He's got speaking engagements. How many various UFO documentaries have you seen him in? Has he been on Ancient Aliens? I don't think he has actually, now I think about it, but I'm very surprised he hasn't. Yeah. Been I, on Ancient Aliens. I don't know why he doesn't have his own show. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's got all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. I just, I can I don't really pay attention to him. He's a whack job. <laughs> but there was this one dude on, on um, one of the C SETI disclosure videos. His name's Lance Corporal Jonathan Wagant. And he was, I forgot what, I think he was in the army or maybe he was the, no, he was in the Marines, I believe. But in the late nineties, he was in Peru and he was part of a recovery team for this craft that had crashed in the side of a, a, I guess it was the side of a ravine. And he said the craft was egg shaped. And when they got there, the tip, like the pointed part was embedded in the side of the ravine. So he couldn't actually get a complete feel for the shape of the craft, but he said it was egg shaped or teardrop shaped. But he said when you when you examined it closely, it was multifaceted. He said it wasn't just it wasn't smooth, and he said it, it to him it looked like a work of art or something organic rather than something that was put together by a person. Like you look at our you know our our planes or even our our satellites or rockets that go into space, they're all man-made they've got the rivets they you know all, all that shit you can see where the pieces were put together and he said this didn't look like that in the back he said they there were vents but the vents looked like gills almost wow and he said all around the craft and and like all over the plants and everything in the area was this liquid that Hey, he said it was, it looked like the, uh, consistency of syrup, but he said, depending on which way you looked at it, it was either green or purple, you know, like that, that type, you there's a, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a certain type of paint job you can get for a car. Like pearl oil medicine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Where you, depending on the angle you look at it, it changes the color. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's how it was. And, and you could see the, path that it had crashed through in the jungle and he said it wasn't a typical crash like if you see a plane crash you just see like a bunch of trees like all broken and thrown all around and you see the torn earth and everything he said this looked like it had burned through everything oh wow that's like, awesome. as it was coming through he said it looked like if you took a knife and cut through butter and that's how it looked with the trees. He's that's like, awesome. Yeah. And uh, he was part of the recovery team for that. Hopefully we can get this video posted in the show notes. I'll, I'll uh, see what we can do for that. But on the actual disclosure video that was put out, I think he only had like a five or six minute segment. But his full interview is like 30 minutes long. And he just goes into really great detail about this craft and how it was just crashed in the side of this thing and he had to recover it. And, but this, this is, this is the type of guy I'm talking about where he, he's a, a Lance corporal or, or was a Lance corporal in the, in the Marine Corps. And he's, you know, he's not writing books. He's not out there on TV shows, giving interviews and shit. He's, he voluntarily came forward 
to join with with all these other military and government officials to talk about what he witnessed while being part of the military or the government. And I think that says something because if you're going to make up such an outlandish story and you're going to throw your whole military career under the bus, you know, whether whether or not you had an illustrious career or not, like still you you attained a certain rank in the military. And if you're not going to gain something from it, why would you put that out? You know, why, why would you put your face and be like, yes, this is me. This is my name. This is, this was my rank. And this is what I saw and have it be a complete lie and not get anything out of it. You just basically went out there for no reason. Yeah. There's plenty of other things people can do to get their name in the paper besides claiming that they found a UFO. Yeah. Or had to retrieve a UFO. And how many people, even even among UFO enthusiasts or people in the in the community, would even know the name of Jonathan Wagan? You know, mm-hmm. it's so it's not like you can even say he was looking for some sort of attention from our particular group of wackos. You know, he he's a he's a relatively unknown name, and unless you've seen this video, chances are you've never even heard of this guy. Yeah. But he's out there officially giving his name, his rank, and his story. And he's, he's allowing it to be documented. And he came out and testified or came out in front of the, the press club. And I think it was in 2001 when uh, Stephen Gurr put together that whole press club event where he had the, the witnesses go before the press at the, uh, the press club in Washington, D.C., and every one of them came out, briefly told their story, and said in front of all the press that they would be willing to testify in front of Congress that what they're saying is true. And, I mean, they were never called upon by Congress, but they offered to testify in front of them. Now, after watching this serious documentary, don't you think all the information that that film presented should have been taken more serious? There's like It, it got a wave of popularity, but there's almost like no impact. The the thing with the the serious documentary is a strange beast because it, it seems like it wants to be a couple different things, and I I think for for people who are new to the subject, it it was a great introduction to the subject of disclosure and UFOs and everything, but then they had that weird middle section with all of like the the fucking drum circles and talking about vibrations and crystals and all that bullshit and how you need to like find peace to communicate with our space brother, you know, like all that really hokey bullshit. And I, and, and that kind of really took, cause they were given some really great information and then they just kind of went to that, which was talk like focusing on Stephen Greer's retreats and all that. And, and it just seemed like a weird, like, new age hippie infomercial type thing. And then they, then they did a lot of focus on that mummy, that little mummy they had. Yeah. What did that end up being? Well, it ended up having, it had human DNA, um, but it had a lot of strange anomalies, like based on the skeletal structure, they determined it was like six or seven years old, but it didn't have the right, amount of ribs as a human should have and it was only two feet tall and then you've got the weird shape of the skull and there was some other anomaly with it as well and then they said that there was some sort of i don't remember exactly how they worded it but it it made it seem like it was some sort of anomaly within the dna itself where what they determined one parent was definitely human but the other parent was they they weren't able to conclusively determine what it was or something something along those lines but that that thing take the alien idea right out of the picture the fact that that thing is real and it's got so many anomalies is a mystery in and of itself that should be explored yeah, they might not have found an alien, but they definitely found something very strange. Yeah, if this isn't half alien, 
what the hell is it? Why is it skull shaped like that? Why was it only two feet tall when it was six or seven years old? Why doesn't it have the right amount of ribs? And it's not that the ribs are miss like broken off or anything. It just it doesn't have I, I can't remember. I think it was two ribs short of the average human rib cage. Yeah. I think that was it. Now how much Why do you chalk it, up to like uh, just natural deformities? I mean, would this be like the I mean, first no, yeah, of this it, type it, of deformity ever? There yeah, there's because if if it had been something that would have been documented that we had known about we would know about it. You know, it wouldn't have been a weird thing. It wouldn't have been a thing like, oh, we need to get this tested. Someone would have been like, hey, this is this genetic disorder. That's what caused this. But you, there's no one who has a skull that's shaped the way that that thing's skull is shaped. <laughs> like, you look at the shape of the skull, it's no one on Earth who's got a skull shaped like that. Like, it looks like an alien skull. You know, and... and the fact that there's still flesh on it, like it's when you see the close-ups of the face on that, it's crazy. But I don't know what it is. All I know is that it's fucking weird, and just the fact that it exists and it's real, there should be more study done on that. Don't even look at it as being a potential alien, because I, I really think that that by by calling it an alien or leading people to believe that it could be an alien, I think that makes it so people don't want to be involved in it yeah it definitely hangs a black cloud over it for sure yeah legit scientists don't want to have their name attached to it because what legit scientist is going to be like oh yeah yeah i'm investigating whether or not this is an alien corpse when really if you're a fucking real scientist you should jump at the opportunity like you you may have the potential to be the one that says we're not the only intelligent life in the universe yeah, I never you know, right. understood why they why people wouldn't take that risk. I mean, like, sure, they're going to seem silly, but you could have the find of the century, you know? But yeah, after that dude who said they found that Bigfoot and that block of ice, remember? Oh, God. That yeah, was so that sad, dude. That was so... Yeah. That was hard to see, and like I was like, ooh, I can understand that a little bit. I mean, you're, yeah. you're just shunned and pretty much have to be a hermit for the rest of your life. Yeah, it it just sucks that when real evidence or or potential real evidence of something strange that we don't understand is presented, it's just ignored by science rather than explored. You know, it's like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like a lot of mainstream scientists just ignore all of this stuff and, and they're just, comfortable within their status quo and same with like the the egyptologists that don't want to give any credence to the theory about the sphinx being older than than it's purported to be like they just they they have their narrative and they want to stick to it because it's a comfortable place for them it's what the textbooks say it's what the history books say and if something were to prove otherwise that would upset everything that's already in place yeah i probably wouldn't speak against something that's you know like you said already in the history books i'd rather just keep my mouth shut and make money doing something i love yeah and and i i just feel like with the ufo thing and and with uh the alien thing whatever the alien thing may be like i i just feel like a lot of this stuff needs to be explored more and and that mummy is is a perfect example. Like if it didn't have the alien stigma attached to it, it would be like even even just from a human standpoint, just to see what caused this. Yeah. And, and you'd think they would they would be curious about what type of deformity this was or why whatever this thing was was the way that it was. Yeah, I think that if it was a deformity that we've known about, it would have been easily proven to be that. Right. If it was something like a new deformity, you'd think they'd want to learn all they could about it. It -hmm. seems like something that would be so easily researched or, you know, like they did a DNA test and we already know so much about it. Like, just take a couple more steps, but it's to me, it's mind-blowing that nothing else is being done with that little mummy thing. 
Maybe it is, and maybe we just don't know about it. I don't know. I I remember Stephen Greer saying before the serious documentary came out that he couldn't release the name of the scientist who was working on the thing because, uh, like, he wanted to wait for the film to come out or whatever, just so he wouldn't get ridiculed or whatever. Mm-hmm. They offered to a bunch of different scientists to have, to study it. They approached them, and no one wanted to to do it. And that's that's just unbelievable to me. Yeah, even if you're like a no-name, nobody fucking scientist that just doesn't really do shit, take the chance and yeah, at least you'll be the guy who proved it wrong. I mean, it's, right. you're, you're going to get your 15 minutes either way. They still won't yeah. do it. Like like I keep saying, just you know that it's real. Like it's something that that is real. It's not a hoax. It's not something that was built. This is this was a real organic thing with human DNA, but it has anomalies. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm gonna have to rewatch that serious shit. Yeah, I I don't know if I will. I mean maybe <laughs> I will. my my brother's got it, but the to me the disclosure videos were just way better. It's just four hours of fucking government officials and military people and just talking about their various UFO experiences and what they know. And it's just, it's awesome. Now doing research for this, do you think that people kind of laugh at the idea of a UFO crash a lot quicker than other things? Like it is to me, to be honest, there was a lot of shit that I read that I just, it just didn't seem to fit for me. There's a lot of reports. I didn't, I didn't expect to find so many reports and documentation on ufo crashes but to me it seems like there's just a lot of bullshit too yeah i mean with any type of this you know any 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 type of report on this subject there's there's always room for bullshit yeah you know there's always people that that are hopeful to get fame and you know that just make shit up and then they later go and they'll admit to either hoaxing or making up their story or messing with evidence or outright creating fake videos or pictures or whatever. But usually that type of thing doesn't hold up and you can start to see holes. I mean, I I would say with the exception of Travis Walton, maybe because for some reason I, I just, that story, it seems true to me. Like it as, sure as does, doesn't it? Crazy, as crazy and as, and as outlandish as his claims be, for, for some reason, to me it feels like it's true. Which doesn't mean his take on the events really happened, but I believe that something happened. Yeah, every time you know, I he see was abducted, guy. whether it was aliens or you know whatever. Something happened to him and that he believed to be aliens. Yeah, whenever I see that guy talk, I feel sorry. There's like a, a immediate sympathy for the guy. Yeah, but I don't know. There's uh, there's just with with the UFO phenomenon in general. Like, I really feel like you just have to, for someone not to believe, you really have to either not be interested and therefore ignorant of the subject or you're just being willfully blind because there's just so much weird shit that's out there that isn't explained that there's no explanation for that. There's actually high ranking testimony from the military, from the government. And if like, these are people that if they were giving you military intelligence or, you know, reporting, like like say say in Afghanistan they were reporting in Afghanistan about something that was happening with the enemy or with the war you would believe them because they are a high ranking military official but as soon as they start talking about UFOs it's like oh he's full of shit yeah you know, like good point. It, I, yeah it it doesn't make sense to me are you familiar at all with the the Kecksburg Pennsylvania it's incident? one it's one of the ones i've heard of but i've never researched it myself Oh really? Yeah. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird event. It was it happened in 1965 in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, and there was a 
fireball that was detected and it was followed in from Ontario in Canada. It streaked over Detroit, Michigan and caused sonic booms in Western Pennsylvania and then crashed. And there were witnesses that said that something crashed into the woods. It was reported to look like an acorn shape and various witnesses reported seeing what looked like hieroglyphics in a band around the, the base of the bottom base of the object. And what happened was the army came in, they secured the area, ordered civilians out and they moved in a, a military flatbed truck and put this object on the flatbed truck. Um, but the, the official story from the military is that they, searched the woods and they found nothing and that this fireball was a meteor. Now think about that for a second because how many meteors enter earth's atmosphere every year and just out of, out of all of the meteors that enter our atmosphere, think of the low, the ones that actually make it low enough in the sky that would create a fireball and then that would crash yeah or be visible even yeah there's never military even even the one in in russia that happened last year that blew out windows and injured like a thousand people or something the military wasn't called out to investigate where that crashed they didn't cordon off the area and order civilians out yeah and so why would a meteor crashing into the woods in Western Pennsylvania require the military to come in and rope off the area and then claim that there was nothing there. You know, it doesn't make sense. No. And then there were other explanations say that it was debris from the, the cosmos 96 Soviet space probe that was supposed to be sent to Venus, but it never actually left earth's atmosphere. <laughs> it just got stuck. So, so why? <laughs> it you know it's it's just more bullshit. You know, just making up excuses. I've also my one of my favorite theories on this on the Kecksburg is that it was. Uh, are you familiar with the the Nazi bell? I think we talked about it on the show, or at least mentioned it before. Yeah, they the. <laughs> The story goes that the inventor of the Nazi bell, like we, we've never found the actual bell. We, we've seen, I guess, blueprints for it or, or something, some sort of, you know, but we, we've never seen evidence that it actually exists. But the guy who drafted up the, the blueprints, he was never found after World War II. We don't know what happened to him. So there's a, there's a theory that says that he used the bell to travel through time and that the, the Kecksburg UFO be, you know, it's acorn shape, which would look vaguely like a bell, I suppose if, if viewed in the right way, uh, this is apparently him traveling through time and then cruising around and, and he crashed in <laughs> fucking Pennsylvania. Sounds like a and bad then the military covered it up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it, I, I, I love it though. It's hilarious. Yeah, that is great. Have you ever heard of the Del Rio, Texas UFO crash? I don't believe so. This one uh, I don't know. It, was one of my favorites. But tell this me about it. Took place in I shall. But this took place in 1955 in Texas, pretty close to the border. But this is uh, reported by a former jet pilot for the Air Force, and uh, he retired a, a colonel. So this dude's pretty legit. Uh, he was actually the, uh, personal assistant to General George S. Patton for a while. But, uh, he reported that while flying on a bomber escort mission over Texas that, uh, he observed a large, highly luminous orb moving towards him from the northwest. And he said that it hadn't been traveling at least 2,000 miles per hour. He saw it execute a sudden 90 degree turn without slowing and, uh, as it moved past his aircraft, he gave chase and later saw it fall and crash to the ground. 
uh, right near uh, Del Rio, Texas. So he finished his mission and switched planes later in that day and went back to where the crash site was. And he was confronted by uh, soldiers from Mexico who said that they were waiting for the U.S. Air Force to uh, come retrieve it. Uh, this is That kind of gets weird to me because if it happened in Texas, why would the Mexican military respond? And yeah. if he is U.S. Air Force and if somebody of high rank, he could have been like, I'm here, bitch. Yeah. But, but they, uh, he said he was forced to leave. He said that this, he even had a name for the soldier that he talked to. Called, uh, I think it was Martinez is what he called him. But he said he saw the, the wreck from probably about like 60 feet away. And he said there was two dead bodies that he saw and they resembled the typical gray. He uh, actually took a piece of a metal fragment from the UFO with him before they escorted him out of the area. But he took that piece right back to Fort Worth and had it analyzed. And uh, eventually the higher-ups got wind of it and they made him send it to some uh, a marine metallurgic la- uh, laboratory in Maine. But when he had it, they tested it and it had properties that were unknown to earth science. It was just some metal that they they couldn't figure out. No matter what they did to it, like blowtorch it and smash it, there's no damage that this thing could take. Hmm. And that's actually documented? Or uh, is this alleged? This is alleged from his his uh, testimony. I guess originally um, he was approached by a reporter. And he I think he the report was given like in... 67 or something like that hmm. but he seemed like a, a a pretty credible person there's just it's such a strange thing and it's that's one thing that threw me off about him it's like oh there there was a crash and then there was bodies that looked like children and then oh shit there's weird hieroglyphics i mean i remember reading this case about um i guess some lady's mother or grandmother told her this on her deathbed and she gave it to a ufo researcher and it's you know it's a a kind of a well-known UFO crash story, but her grandfather was a priest and he was summoned like in the wee hours of the morning to come pray for these people who were involved in a crash. And when he got there, he said the military was there. And uh, from what he can tell was the FBI was there and there's paramedics and all that stuff. But there was a crashed UFO and these weird little people in it. And there's weird hieroglyphics on the side of the ship that he couldn't read. No shit. But uh, I guess they had him say their last rites, which, I mean, even back then, I don't think the military would bring in an outsider to come look at this shit, even if it's a priest. I don't, and to me, that's just a silly, sloppy move. So it just raises questions for me. So I didn't even finish reading it. I was like, uh, whatever. That's, that, I mean, it's just like a deathbed confession, but mm-hmm. this guy, it's the same, same type of report, you know, the guy who's saying this shit, but he's just, I mean, a retired colonel and as far as uh running shit wherever he was he had a pretty big wiener in the control department hmm. he's able to get that piece analyzed he just took it somewhere he's like shut your mouth and do it yeah <laughs> but they said he had it for like two or three days until they're like no you need to send this shit over here and then what did it just disappear after that mm-hmm. quite conveniently no. like really soon after he sent it too yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. But there is not a shortage of reports of UFO crashes. I was pleasantly surprised to discover that while doing research. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there, and especially among the military reports, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's a few reports of people stumbling on them, and that's cool. I mean, whatever UFOs are, for all the reports of UFOs and footage and photographs... And by UFO, I mean unidentified flying object, not a spaceship driven by an alien. I mean, there's bound to be a few crashes somewhere. But there, um, you know, a good majority of them, I mean, like the military is going to deal with that shit. So yeah. you know, there is a lot of documentation. I love that about UFO crashes, which you think would be more of a far-fetched idea to believe. Right. Because you're talking about, like, uh, abductees t- giving testimony. This is uh, some dude saying this, you know. If you're a skeptic mm-hmm. and shit like that, it's just some dude saying, "I, you know, th- I'm just saying this," and it's that's true. That's all it is. But yeah, that's why I love the government documented stuff, and just like you said, like the serious, all the other government employees that come forward. Yeah, they give you like mental screens and shit like that to work for the military. So 
No, these people are stupid. These guys don't sit there and pound beers on the weekend and smoke weed when they get home. Maybe some of them well, did, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. some of them did, but <laughs> these aren't, for the most part, super straight-laced, almost nerdy people, probably. <laughs> but that was my favorite UFO crash ah. thing that I came across. So what's the, the latest report of a UFO crash that we have? I honestly don't know. It seems like it doesn't happen anymore, or they've learned to keep it quiet. Yeah, I think that's probably more likely. But, I mean, really, the the whole idea of UFO crashes are kind of weird. Like, are we causing the crashes? Are the crashes maybe not alien? Maybe they're uh, tech that has been reverse engineered from the original Roswell crashes. So the ones that we see now that crash, maybe they are uh, just test vehicles. Yeah, I wonder how many of those are piloted by humans. Or even piloted at all. Yeah, that's true. That's shitty to think about. I never thought about that. What if they are alien, but there is no pilot? They're just literally drones from, like, a galaxy away. Yeah. Or even drones from, like, a mothership. Maybe yeah. there's a mothership out and that, you know. I don't know. I don't know. The whole alien thing is something I've gone back and forth on so many times. You know, like, whether they're actually flesh and blood creatures or if they are multidimensional creatures or spiritual or what the fuck. Yeah, I think if no matter what they are, just how technologically advanced they are, I don't think they're crashing too many times. I think most of the crashes that have happened are are us humans fucking around with shit. Yeah. And and even if we figured out a way to crash them, you got to think there's there had to have been somebody who gave us that information. Yeah. Like maybe there's, you know, like like uh Paul Hellier said there were he's aware of seven different races. Maybe one or more are at war, and so they're giving secrets to us. Yeah, it's just pure propaganda. Yeah. Seven alien races that Hillier knows of. That's, that's, that's unsettling. I've actually heard one of the, the C-SETI witnesses say the same thing. Wow. That they've been given documents outlining seven different races. Do we know what those seven races are? Has he gone into Some- that? Somebody does. I certainly don't. Because you're dealing with the government, it kind of leads through a whole different type of rabbit hole. Because you could have these people who are sincere in what they're saying. And they, they, you know, they, they have this information and this information is, as far as they know, true. But it could just be a large disinfo campaign and it could be maybe this information is being disseminated through various people and it's just being used to spread this narrative that's completely false yeah it's worked before yeah i mean it's it's worked for so many different things yeah and what better way to kind of cover things up than by creating outlandish stories and all this crazy shit that the average person isn't going to believe, you know, why not make up these stories or have people think they see something that's completely different from what they're observing. Mm -hmm. It's quite effective too. Yeah. That's, that's the thing because the government has fucked with us so many times. It's like the boy who cried wolf. You know, who knows when the truth is being distributed? Who knows when they, uh, when they're lying, it's it's hurt. I don't know. Yeah, just like talking about Roswell, it's like he's saying that uh, it was brought back, like discussion about it was brought back, and it's just, it's it did seem like that. It, sem- it seemed like for like 10 or 15 years, people were just fucking tired of talking about it, and they've just given up on it. And I think that uh, that's that's perfectly orchestrated. You just flood it with people who say that it was fucking lobster men. Brad people. People. Yeah. Find the Whatcast on Twitter at the Whatcast. Find Mike on Twitter at Last Bonus Stands and find Matteo at Crackface. 
all show notes, links, photos and more, can be found at thewattcasters.com. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram and, you can now buy some fancy tracks, like this one, at bandcamp.com, if you feel like supporting the show. If not, it's cool. Seriously. Thank you very much for listening, and have a great and safe week. is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.